Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Today on State of the World, an aid lifeline to Gaza. We go to the only crossing point in or out of the territory. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories, up close where they're happening. It's Friday, November 17th. I'm Greg Dixon. In a few minutes, we examine the role of humor in a time of war. But first, it's been more than a month that Israel and Hamas have been at war. Ever since Hamas's October 7th attack on Israel, the Israeli military has been bombarding Gaza. It has also sent troops into northern Gaza. In an interview with NPR, the Israeli prime minister was vague about plans for Gaza when the fighting ends. He spoke to Steve Inskeep. Israeli troops have said they're determined to depose Hamas, which governed Gaza, so we asked the prime minister who should rule next. On NPR's Morning Edition, Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel wants the freedom to strike at targets in Gaza, but not the responsibility of governing. So for the foreseeable future, Israeli overall military responsibility. But there also has to be a civilian government there. But you you haven't said who that civilian government would be, sir. Well, I think I know who it can't be. He said it can't be Hamas, and he also has dismissed the Palestinian Authority. An Israeli military officer spoke of some combination of local and international forces, but no other nations have stepped forward offering to police the bombed-out zone. NPR's Steve Inskeep. Since the October 7th attack, Israel has sealed off its border crossings into and out of Gaza. That has left only one crossing, between southern Gaza and Rafah, Egypt. It's a critical aid route. Gaza has severe shortages of food, medicine, clean water, and fuel. NPR's Aya Betraoui was in a small group of reporters allowed by Egypt to visit the one crossing where goods and people are getting through. That's the sound of trucks that are lined up right now at Rafah Crossing, and they are getting ready to go into the crossing here from Egypt into Gaza. Huge 18-wheeler trucks are carrying tents for displaced people, food, and basic anesthesia for surgeries to Gaza's besieged and desperate population. The day I'm here happens to be the first time in nearly six weeks Israel has allowed any fuel to be trucked in. But it's not enough to run Gaza's hospitals, sewage pumps, desalination plants, or even keep its phone lines operating. Israel is only allowing the little fuel that entered to be used by UN trucks to distribute some of the life-saving aid, like water, that's coming from Egypt, just like I saw at the border. I have a truck right now in front of me. It says UNICEF for every child, filled with crates of aqua water. These are just water bottles going in because people cannot find drinking water. It's just one truck. You know, this truck of water doesn't look like it could supply water to more than a few thousand people for just a bottle each. Israel insists on inspecting each aid truck that comes in from Rafah, at a location some 50 miles south, saying it's to ensure no weapons are smuggled in. But this process slows down the amount of aid that enters Gaza each day. And there is tons of aid flying into Egypt from all over the world to help with relief efforts in Gaza. It's a huge logistical operation, and it's being overseen by Egypt's Red Crescent. 
The group's head of operations, Lotfi Reith, tells me that despite their best efforts, Egypt's border crossing cannot meet the scale of Gaza's daily needs. We are providing now the jerry cans with the filters so they could be able to do filtration for the water they have because providing this huge number of water and a limited number of trucks, this is very difficult. We are talking about one million and a half displaced person. Due to the minimum guidelines, you have to provide them with three liters of water for drinking. That's mean more than nine million liters of water per day. This is one of the impossible things at even to be provided through trucks. It's not only what's going into Gaza that makes this dusty desert border crossing so vital. More than 150 critically injured Palestinians, out of more than 27,000 wounded in Gaza, have been transported by ambulances to hospitals in Egypt. Around 3,000 Palestinians with foreign passports have also been able to leave through Rafah. Hanan is one of them. She's with her husband and four teenage sons. They're dragging a few suitcases and have just crossed into Egypt when I meet them. Our house was bombed, she tells me. We stayed with relatives. We left with just these clothes. She tells me she's exhausted. The rubble of their home collapsed on her and her boys. Dia was injured on his head, Muhammad on his hand. Zain was in a state of shock. Hanan only gives her first name. She's rushing, pale in the face, and dazed. The family has Norwegian passports, but their livelihood and memories are in Gaza. I ask her who she's left behind. My parents, she tells me. Her youngest hugs her, tries to make her laugh, but she's despondent. There's no hope in life, she says. The UN Security Council Wednesday called urgently for extended pauses in the fighting to get more aid to people. Israel has refused, saying its aim is to destroy Hamas and free hostages. But its offensive has killed more than 11,400 people, most of them women and children, according to the health ministry in Gaza. Aid groups say the needs of everyone right now in Gaza are overwhelming. And it's why the UN Relief Agency is calling on Israel to open one of its crossings with Gaza too. But for now, the lifeline is through Rafah. Aya Batrawi, NPR News, Rafah, Egypt. We'll be back in a minute. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit teladochealth.com slash what's your why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C health slash what's your why. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, hosts Lizanne Saunders, Schwab's chief investment strategist, and Kathy Jones, Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, along with their guests, analyze economic developments and bring context to conversations around stocks, fixed income, the economy, and more. Download the latest episode and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the satisfying sounds of more sales in your business. And from the sound of it, your business is growing. But you shouldn't have to pay more to scale your business. 
With Stamps.com, you can import orders from wherever you sell online, find the lowest rates with the fastest delivery times, and instantly deliver tracking updates to your customers and stock up on supplies. Get started at Stamps.com today with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. What is the role of humor at a time of war? Israeli and Arab comedians and writers are asking that question now. NPR's Daniel Estrin reports on the ways both sides are embracing satire to express their grief and anger. Israel's version of Saturday Night Live is Eretz Nehederet, a wonderful country. It was two and a half weeks into the war before the show producers felt ready to go back on TV with humor. The opening sketch is an officer calling up troops. Anarchists? Netanyahu supporters? Traitors? Racists? The joke's on themselves. It takes a war for Israelis to set aside their bitter rivalries. Executive producer Muli Segev convened his writer's room the day after Hamas attackers killed around 1,200 people. Some of his staff's relatives were killed. It was like a support group. We knew that if we would let ourselves, you know, sink into despair and, and be depressed, it would be very, very hard to, you know, to, to come out of. The Israeli satire show is usually known for its liberal politics and irreverent mocking of the government. For their first show during this war, they were cautious. We limit ourselves to uplifting materials and maybe, you know, a little anger to the enemy and to the <laughs> foreign press. <laughs> The show had a sketch mocking a BBC broadcast. Good evening from London. Here are some news from the war in Gaza. Many Israelis think foreign media coverage of the war has been biased against them. With more details, our Middle East correspondent, Harry Whitegilt. Good evening, Rachel, from the illegal colony of Tel Aviv. Another sketch criticized Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu for not taking responsibility for failing to prevent the Hamas attack. But Segev says the show is not ready to push the envelope too much, with Israelis still traumatized and fighting. There will be a time for the debate and for the agenda, but right now we just, like, first aid for our people. In Gaza, dark humor has always helped Palestinians survive between the wars. But now there is no comic relief, with more than 11,000 people killed in Israeli bombings and fresh horrors every day food and water running out, people spending their days trying to survive. Outside Gaza, one Arabic website is employing satire. For the past month, we've produced so many things, and I don't think any of it was funny. Palestinian Isam Arakat runs a popular site with other Arab writers around the region. It's called Al-Hudud, or The Limits. It's a spin-off of The Onion. He says their satire challenges narratives. I think it's been the most difficult month of my life. Starting with the most shocking thing that still prevails today, like the dehumanization of Palestinians to levels that I haven't seen before. The site has a picture of the German chancellor with the satirical headline, We'll deal with the guilt after the Palestinian genocide is over. I think one of the best things about satire is it encapsulates the issue at hand and shows what's the problem with it in one package. So it kind of, it simplifies quite complex issues. Another headline takes aim at the deeply unpopular Palestinian president, Mahmoud Abbas. The U.S. wants his government to take control of Gaza after the war. The satirical headline reads, 
Abbas refuses to return to Gaza on the back of an Israeli tank unless Israel offers him a ride. Well, joining me now to discuss the conflict in Israel and Gaza is a TV host and satirist, Bassam Youssef. The Egyptian uh, comic was on uh, Piers Morgan's show recently with sardonic places. humor about um, his wife, who has family uh, in Gaza. Know, just like those Palestinians, they're very dramatic. Ah, Israel killing us. Uh, but they never die. I mean, they always come back. You know, they're, they're very difficult to kill, very difficult people to kill. I, I know because I'm married to one. Mm. I tried many times, couldn't kill her. I mean, there's a dark humor there, and I understand why. Because no, it's not dark humor. I really, I try to get to her every time, but she uses our kids as human shields. I can never take her out. You can hear how startled Piers Morgan is with Yusuf's brand of humor laced with rage. There's one Israeli writer with a different approach. My name is uh, Hena Vigdori. My job is a screenwriter. I uh, mostly do comedy, sitcoms, satire, things that make people laugh. His extended family came under attack October 7th. Eviatar and Lilach. Eviatar, what's his last name? Kipnis. Chen, I think we were in their home. Wow. We happened to walk through the Kipnis family home in Kibbutz Be'eri a few weeks ago. This is the Kipnis family. Hamas attackers had destroyed the house. The walls were charred. There was a smell of blood. Things were strewn everywhere. 65-year-old Eviatar Kipnis. You can see the disability card here. And you can see in the bedroom here, there's his walker and, uh, and a brace for his leg. He was one of three of Avigdori's relatives who were killed. Seven relatives are now hostages in Gaza, including Avigdori's wife and 12-year-old daughter. And yet, recently he was asked to help produce an emergency talk show for Israeli TV to help lift up spirits. They thought about it for like 10 minutes. And I said, yeah, I can do things in the show that are benefits to the main cause of my life now, which is to bring back my girls. And there are also a therapeutic value to it. <laughs> The show is called Strong Together. It aired about a month into the war. He says there were laughs and tears. I asked him if it wasn't too soon for the laughs, or too callous, when Palestinians are still getting killed in Israeli bombings. Nobody should ever joke about what happened, not to the Israeli and not to the Palestinians. But you have to see the little things that could make us laugh, because otherwise... There is only crying. There is only pain. Chena Vigdori says what's helping him cope these days are the sitcoms he and his son watch together. He says laughing makes his life more bearable. Daniel Estrin, NPR News, Tel Aviv. That's the state of the world from NPR. For more coverage of all sides of this conflict, go to npr.org slash updates. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This is my voice. It can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.
This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Planet Oat. No deep thinking here. Planet Oat oat milk is rich, creamy, and an excellent source of calcium with vitamins A and D. Also, Planet Oat's unsweetened varieties have zero grams of sugar. Visit planetoat.com for more.